Hey Real Life Church, Stuart Crane here. Hope you guys are all doing well. I think this is our 18th Sunday of lockdown, to be honest. I'm completely losing count. Um, I hope you guys are doing well. We're doing well here at home. Only thing to say is that I am long overdue a haircut, so I need to get that sorted. Melanie's going to be cutting it, I think, tomorrow or the next day. Pray for us, be in prayer for that. Um, and uh, maybe next time you see me, you'll tell me how good it's looking. Um, what we're going to be doing today is looking at the next part of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, it's our eighth part of that. We've only got two more after this and then we're done. We're looking at this ancient creed from the church history um, that was important to uh, the early church. It was a basic statement of belief of the Christian faith. Um, a good way to understand it is uh, like the sun and the moon. The Bible is our sun. It has uh, It's the word of God. It is our final authority. Uh, the Apostles' Creed is a bit like the moon. It just reflects what it sees in the Bible and it's good uh, to learn to understand that it boils down the basics of our faith. It was originally used as a baptismal confessional. As people got baptised, they would confess it as a statement of belief about what it means. And we've just been going through it a bit by bit. And it's been excellent to remind ourselves in uncertain times what we can be certain about. What we can be certain about, about God um, and what he's doing in this world, about Jesus' death and resurrection. So we're just going to carry on today. I'm going to dive in, read the creed to you, and then we'll look at the next line for us. So this is what it says. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now what we've been doing, we're going through it bit by bit and what we're on now is we're on to the kind of the final part of the creed. The first part we talked about God the Father, it says I believe in God the Father and then we entered the large second section which was focused on Jesus, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord and we've been going through that for several weeks because that's kind of the main chunk, the focus of the creed and what we're coming to now is the final I believe section of the creed which simply states I believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, and what we're going to look at today is first of all, we're going to look at who is the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to look at what uh, activity does He have in our lives today. So, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, let's we'll go through three quick things. The first one the Holy Spirit is a person, He is the third member of the Trinity. We've seen God the Father, uh, we've looked at God the Son, Jesus our Lord, and now we're coming to the third member, God the Holy Spirit. He is not an it or a mystical force that you might like associate with say, the Star Wars movies. No, he is an actual person. He is God himself and is uh, dealt with as such in our Bibles. Uh, if we look at the words of Jesus in John chapter 14, John chapter 16, where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he refers to him as a he, as a person. He gives him personhood and we see the Holy Spirit acting in our Bibles in a way a person would. We see him speaking. Um, I'm currently reading through the book of Acts in my own time and if and I've noticed it as I've gone through if you come to Acts chapter 8 we find the Holy Spirit speaking to Philip and he says go over to that chariot where the Ethiopian eunuch is and, and on and on there and the Ethiopian eunuch becomes a Christian and gets baptised but the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. We see later in Acts chapter 10 when Peter uh, has his vision of the the, the sort of um, 
the cloth coming down from heaven with all the animals on and it says go eat and it says there the spirit holy spirit speaks to peter and says go downstairs you've got some guests coming and they're going to take you to cornelius and uh, the gospel goes from the jewish to the gentile um world through that and then later in acts chapter 13 we find uh, the church at antioch the leaders there were praying and worshiping it says the holy spirit spoke and it says set apart paul and barnabas for the work that I've called them to. And so the Holy Spirit is a person because he speaks into situation. He speaks into the lives of believers. The Bible also says that he intercedes for us in Romans 8. He stands in the gap uh, with groanings beyond what we can utter. So he intercedes. It says he can be blasphemed in Mark chapter 3. It says he can be resisted in Acts chapter 7 when uh, Peter's dealing with the issue with Ananias and Sapphira. It says he can be outraged um, in Hebrews chapter 10 and it says you can also be grieved in Ephesians 4. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit we're talking about a person who is God. The next thing we know is that this person is God. He is fully God. We've seen God the Father fully God, God the Son fully God and God the Holy Spirit is also fully God. He is co-eternal and co-equal with both the Son and the Father. He is put on the same level of them. This is where we get our doctrine of the Trinity that we dealt with right back at the beginning of the Creed that there is one God, he is three persons and each person is fully God. So God the Holy Spirit is fully God and we see this uh, outwork the picture of this uh, in Jesus baptism it's in Mark chapter 1 where we have God the Son being baptized in the river Jordan and as he comes out of the water we see God the Father speak and he said this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased and then we see God the Holy Spirit come down like a dove and rest on Jesus and empower him, him for his ministry so we have that picture of the Trinity there of all three members at work and then we look through um, our New Testaments and we see time after time the Holy Spirit is put on the same level referred to as God Jesus in the Great Commission when he's speaking to um, his followers just before his ascension he says you go in all the world and you teach everyone what I've taught you and then you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three there put on the same level. The Holy Spirit is given the same footing, the same status as God the Son and God the Father. We see Peter uh, in Acts chapter 5 uh, when he talks about it, when he's dealing with Ananias and Sapphira. He says that you've, he says, his accusation is that you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then the, the following line, he says, you have not lied to men, but to God. And so Peter himself, one of those apostles, disciples of Jesus, actually knows the Holy Spirit is God. We see later in the writings of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, right at the end, the last verse of that letter, which in more traditional churches just was simply referred to as the grace, where he puts all three members of the Trinity together on the same footing. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Father, Son, Spirit, all there, right, right there with them. And just like um, in the Bible, um, God is known by many names. God the Father is known by many names. God the Son is known by many names. So is God the Holy Spirit. We see uh, the Holy Spirit referred to as the Spirit of God in Romans 9. We see him referred to as the Spirit of Christ uh, in Romans 8. Sorry, the other one was also Romans 8. The Romans 8, 9. Uh, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. We see uh, the Spirit of the Father in Matthew 10, the Spirit of Truth in John 14, and the Spirit of Lord in Acts 8. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He is also God. God, the Holy Spirit. And we see is that as we look through our Bible, the third thing is he is present throughout the whole of it. He is there from the beginning to the end. If you go to the beginning in creation, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it immediately says the Spirit of God 
was hovering over the water. So the Holy Spirit is right there at the beginning when it all began. And if we go to the end of our Bibles, the Revelation, which is the recreation with the new heavens and the new earth, the Holy Spirit is there. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And so we see God, the Holy Spirit, active in creation, but also in new creation. We see God, the Holy Spirit, active throughout the Bible, particularly in the era of Revelation, where he is particularly connected with the prophets in our Old Testament and New Testament. The Holy Spirit comes on the prophets and they are able to speak the words of God. They are often able to tell what's coming, speak the heart of God, speak God's word into different situations. We look in our New Testament, we actually find the Bible itself is breathed out by God. The very breath of God, the very spirit of God is what we read in our Bible. And so the Holy Spirit is responsible for what we have in our scripture. And as we read it, he's the one who brings revelation. And Peter says that actually the Old Testament scriptures that were at the time that were written, they were written by the Holy Spirit as well. So he is very much involved in our revelation that we find through the word of God. And the final way we see him present throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit, is to empower God's people for service. We see it on the Old Testament prophets we just mentioned, but also on the priests, uh, the kings, judges, the leaders of God's people. The Holy Spirit comes on them and empowers them to serve God's people in so many different ways. And there is was an expectation when you go back to the book of Numbers with Moses that he said that he would like the Holy Spirit to be on all God's people, not just a few kind of leaders or authority figures. And then we'd have the prophet Joel prophesize that that day would one day come. Jesus then comes in our New Testament and he is filled with the Holy Spirit, his baptism and ministers in the power of the Spirit. Um, and then when he goes, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And we see that fulfilled in Pentecost. Peter even quotes the prophet Joel. The Spirit comes on the church and they are empowered for service. They're empowered to preach the gospel, uh, to pray for the sick, to serve the poor, to see the kingdom come in its, all its way. It was even a qualification of leadership we find in Acts chapter 6, where uh, when they were going to appoint uh, the servants to serve the food, they said actually one of their qualifications is they need to be full of the Holy Spirit um, in that. And then we see um, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our New Testament, where they are there to empower us to live godly lives and to serve people and to see the church grow and multiply um, in this land. And so that is who the Holy Spirit is and some of his role we see in scripture. Now let's look at the Holy Spirit's activity in our own lives, what that means for us. Well, First of all, if you're a Christian here, the Holy Spirit has been incredibly active in your salvation. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit has been active in your life, uh, bringing you to Christ, causing you to become a Christian, because the Holy Spirit brings life. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the, the words for wind and breath and also the Spirit are the same. And so the Holy Spirit is the breath, the very life of God. And when we see, you go back to Genesis and you see when God made a man, he made Adam. It says he was just made out of clay and then he breathed into him and that brings life to his body. So there's a physical life that comes from the Holy Spirit. But there's also, we fell, uh, Genesis chapter 3, everything went wrong and we died spiritually before God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us to life spiritually. You see this dramatically worked out in the picture in Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. It actually it takes the Spirit of God uh, to bring those bones to life. And Jesus says in John 3, uh, clearly to Nicodemus, he says, actually, you must be born again. 
by the Spirit. So if you are a believer, if you know Jesus, you've made that commitment, the Holy Spirit is the one who brought you to life. The Holy Spirit is the one who caused you to be born again. The Holy Spirit also brings conviction of sin. Conviction of sin. Jesus says in John 16 that the, the Holy Spirit will come and he would bring uh, conviction and concerning sin, righteousness and judgment on the world. And so in your process of becoming a Christian, there will come a moment when you were aware of your sin, your offence to God, of all the things that you'd rebelled and the things you'd done and the things you should have done that you hadn't done and your thoughts, your words, your actions, which cause you to cry out in faith, what must I do to be saved and repent of your sins and turn to Jesus? And that was the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. We see that in Peter uh, at Pentecost when he preaches, the Holy Spirit's come on the church, they all pile out the building, there's a great commotion, loads of people come, what's going on? Peter stands up, he proclaims the message, he quotes Joel, he lays out the gospel with Jesus and it says that the people were cut to the heart. There was something happened internally there, the Holy Spirit brought in conviction and they cried out, what must I do to be saved? And, and Paul, Peter then lays it out repent of your sins, be baptised, receive the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit was involved in that in conviction of sin when you became a Christian. He's also walks with us and convicts us through our conscience in what we do in life. You know that there are times when you've said and done something and thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have acted like that, I shouldn't have thought like that, I shouldn't have been that way, and you're, you're feeling poked, prodded. That's the Holy Spirit at work causing you to turn from your sin, to repent, to find forgiveness in Jesus and what he's done on the cross for you. And that's his activity. And the third thing is the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. The fact that you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you is, it says in Ephesians 1, that it, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. So what we haven't received yet fully, what the future um, in the new heavens and the new earth and being with Jesus forever and all those things the whole that we have the Holy Spirit is our guarantee ensuring that will come, which is fantastic, wonderful news. So if you're a Christian here, the Holy Spirit has been active in your life. He is still active in your life and will continue to be active in your life all the way through into eternity. However, if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, I can't say that about you. Uh, I can't say that. The Holy Spirit might be poking you already about responding to Jesus. And I, I, I just want to lay out what it means to follow him and to respond to his calling and leading. And what it means to be a Christian is to recognise that before um, a holy God that he created us. We are his, we are his people, we didn't get here by accident, it's not a cosmic accident. There is a sovereign loving God who made the heavens and the earth and made it all work in order. But we rebelled against that and we tried to go our own way and we want to be lords of our lives and we don't want anyone telling us what to do. We have sinned, the Bible says. That's just the word it uses for all that kind of area of the things we've done, the, the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. But then we have Jesus, who is God the Son. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, uh, never sinned, um, died, but died on a cross in our place, taking the, the penalty that we deserved, that punishment we deserved. He then rose bodily from death, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit on his people to call us to repentance and faith. And if you're not a believer, that's what you need to do. You need to repent, turn around, go the other way, put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross, how he died in, in your place for your sin. And you need to walk in the fullness of life like that. Be born again. Know the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. Now, the next thing about the Holy Spirit's activity in life, and that is that he is our helper. Uh, when Jesus said, um, that he's talking about the Holy Spirit, John 14, John 16. He says 
that he will send another, and he uses that word helper. Other translations use things like comforter or advocate or counsellor, the one who comes alongside, and that Jesus says he would be God's presence with you forever. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going. I'm going away. He knew he was going to die and then rise and then ascend to heaven. He says, but I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not going to be alone. The beautiful reality of Christianity is that we are never, ever, ever alone. We are always here. God is always present with us by his spirit. And I don't know what it's been like for you in lockdown. Um, how you've battled with this issue, having suddenly relationships cut off, contact points of human connection cut off. It can be lonely. I've found it. I've struggled with it when I know I haven't been able to go out and see things and I've kind of been locked in my home and I've got my family with me. But actually, after time, that's all the connection. You can still need other connection. I need other guys to talk to. I need other social stimulus. And it can be a really lonely time. But the wonderful news that I've clung on to is that I'm never alone. I'm never alone. God is always with me. God is always present with me. He will never leave me or forsake me, it says in Hebrews, that we, he's always here by his presence. And wherever you are and whatever you're doing, if you're a believer, you know God's with you. God's with you. He's there. He knows what's going on in your life. You can always talk to him. You can always come to him. You can always pour out your heart to him. And so the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is always with us. And in essence, he basically takes the place of Jesus because Jesus says to his followers, he says, actually, it's better that I go, which must have been odd for them. Bear in mind that kind of his disciples had followed him around for several years. And he's saying, actually, it's better I go. Because if I go, I will send one in my name, which literally means I'll send my representative. I'll send someone like me who will be with you all forever. And not just you, those 12, but actually all his followers all over the world for all time, forever. So the Holy Spirit comes and take, correctly takes Jesus' place. He is with us all, all believers, all times, in all nations, wherever they are. He is with us. And the Holy Spirit comes to help us because he reminds us of Jesus. We find out in John 14, he points us to Jesus. He keeps our eyes turned back back to Jesus. He pours God's love into our hearts so that when we're called to be loving and gracious and kind to others, it's not something we have to pull up from our own kind of guts and get it out and say, actually, I need to be loving. Actually, it's the Holy Spirit pouring the love of God into our hearts that we are able to do that. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us joy, uh, happiness in the midst of trials and tribulations. We can know that deep sense of joy, knowing that we are saved and we have a relationship with our Father in heaven. He's the one who grows us, helps us grow in godly character. We see the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, chapter 5, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Um, who's singing the song now that we did in the kids' work a year or two ago? But that's what he does. The Holy Spirit helps us grow in those areas, helps us grow in godly character. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us. We've already seen that the Bible is breathed out by God. He is the one who brings revelation. He is the one who reminds us truth. So as we read our Bibles, as we look at it, the Holy Spirit is the one who is illuminating truth with us, teaching us, leading us. Even when we put our Bibles down and we go out the world, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings it to mind to remind us in given situations, given truths. Like how do I apply this? What do I do with this? Remind us uh, that God loves us and we're never alone and we've got a purpose in this life and he's working his kingdom out through us. And he gives individual guidance as well. He helps us. I've been struck reading the book of Acts, the amount of time the Holy Spirit kind of intervenes in people's lives and tells people, individuals like Philip with the Ethiopian Union, go talk to that guy. Churches, set apart these two because I want to send them out to proclaim the gospel. There's the bit with Paul and he was trying to go one way and the Holy Spirit said, no, you don't go that way. Then has a dream and says, actually, you must go this way. You head across to Greece, into Macedonia. Um, and the Holy Spirit is leading. He helps us. He brings guidance in whatever's going on. I don't know what's going on well, but the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us forward. And the last thing there, the Holy Spirit's activity in our life is he empowers us 
for service. He empowers us for service. Now, meeting with the Holy Spirit should be an experiential thing. If we read that through the Bible, that's one thing you see. John the Baptist described it as fire coming upon you. You know about fire. It's hot. It's active. You're aware about it. Jesus described it as power from on high, being plugged into a power source, something great with us. When we see the Holy Spirit pull on men and women in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is some kind of um, powerful encounter they have. And the point isn't that we should have experiences for experiences sake, but we should have experiences of God, the Holy Spirit, that then move us into service that move us into action. We see that time again, God came on someone, they prophesied, they led. We see it in the church in Acts, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they go out and they proclaim the gospel. They pray for the sick. They go out and they, they plant churches and do all those things. And Ephesians 5 tells us to be filled and keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, something we should pray for regularly, daily pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Uh, the Holy Spirit powers us in service by giving us gifts. We saw uh, Ephesians 5 talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers who serve the church to build them up uh, on our mission in this world. It talks about things like prophecy and tongues and healing and leadership and mercy and giving and so many other things that we, we God, uh, the Spirit gives us to be used for the glory of God and to serve people around us. And so as we uh, engage with what we're doing it's the Holy Spirit the one who propels us for service as he's the one who's empowering us for life here and doing what it means to love our neighbors and our colleagues and those we come into contact is essential uh, for the work of the church reading the book of Acts it's just stunning how much times the Holy Spirit is the one coming in leading the people empowering them helping them move on into the next uh, situation in their life, bringing guidance, being on leaders, being on people in situations, helping them deal with suffering and difficulties, what the Apostle Paul went through in his life, being beaten and shipwrecked and all those things, but it was the Holy Spirit, the one who leads us, so the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us uh, for service. So what does this mean for us? A little bit about who he is, a little bit about what he does, what does it mean now for us, lockdown living, about engaging with the Holy Spirit. Well, the first thing is, um, Melanie spoke last Sunday, Sunday Night Live, um, and she mentioned that there are people who might be struggling with this, struggling to engage with the Holy Spirit, uh, and she made an offer to us, the church, if you know that's you, uh, she wants to do a meetup, we'll do some stuff by Zoom, we might do some garden meetups, but she wants to help you in your engagement with God, the Holy Spirit, and if you know that you are in a position where you're kind of feeling stuck, there's something there that feels like stopping you, please contact us, please contact her and say, come on, I need help, I want to move through this, and we would love to help you. So if you know that's you, I want to put that offer out again and say, do not let this thing slide, do not think, oh, do not put it off, this is important for us to be men and women filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, serving God in our homes, workplaces, with our neighbours, our colleagues, our friends. Uh, so don't let us go. So contact us, we'd love to help you. What about everyone else? Well, I just want to share a bit about how I engage with the Holy Spirit and hopefully this will uh, encourage you, provoke you uh, in what you're doing. The first thing I do is I always pray daily to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5, pray uh, 
be filled with the Holy Spirit and keep being filled. So I make it a point. That's one of my prayers every day, every morning. I pray that, that I would be a man filled with the Holy Spirit, that I'll be able to serve God, be empowered for service. We pray as a family every day in the evening before we put the boys together. We pray as a family. And one of the things I always pray for us as a family, for my boys, for Melanie, is that we would be a family full of the Holy Spirit. I pray for them. I lay hands on them and say, God, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? Um, we find children in the Bible full of the Spirit. There are stories of that. So I'm praying that for my kids, that they would be two little boys full of the Holy Spirit. I, when I come to read my Bible every day, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate this to me? You kind of breathe this out. This is your text. Bring it alive to me. So as I engage and as I read my Bible, read through the book of Acts, I say, I pray, Holy Spirit, kind of put key verses in there, remind me of stuff, show me new things. So as I come and approach my Bible, I recognize that it's the Holy Spirit, the one that's gonna help me read this. When I uh, write uh, in my journal, I've got my journal here, my 2020 journal, um, I always pray and I'm asking God to help me as I write, I write prayers, I write just how I'm feeling, things are going on in my life, but that's another way I just engage with God and just let him know how I'm doing and try and put it down on paper and process some of my thoughts. I pray in tongues every day. Um, when we did the Teach Us to Pray series, the final one of that series, if you missed that, you can go and catch that up. It talks about the whole area of uh, speaking in tongues, what that means. Um, have a listen to that, but I make a point of doing that every day, throughout the day, when I'm around, when I'm alone, and driving the car out, I'll pray in tongues. Uh, I put worship music on, and I listen to songs um, uh, that, that help me just worship and engage with God and ask him to be filled with spirit and help me to worship and pray. I'm still loving that Red Rocks one, Not Afraid, and the Hillsong one, King of Kings. Put those ones on, but I listen to others. So get a point, get worship music on, pray. Uh, read some books about it. If you want a bit more about kind of the doctrine, there's Wayne Grudem's Bible Doctrine. It's got a section on the Holy Spirit. You can read that, and that takes kind of a thorough systematic view of some of the things we've covered here, but in a lot more depth. Um, there's uh, Surprised by the Voice of God by Jack Deere, who was a, a pastor who didn't believe kind of all this Holy Spirit stuff, but then God met him powerfully, transformed him. That's a great story to read. And then The Spiritful Church by Terry Virgo, another one about what it means to be a church full of the Holy Spirit, and as individuals within that full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I go out for a run, I try and do that a little bit, my exercise, get out of the house. I'm always praying, thinking about God, asking God what's going on. And often he speaks to me out there because I'm just alone and I'm focused and I'm away from stuff. And so I use those times. So there's some things that help me engage with God, the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to commend them to you. Um, please do not neglect this issue. Please be men and women filled with the Spirit. Please pray regularly. Uh, I encourage you to do that. If you know you're stuck, come contact us. We'd love to help you. Even in this lockdown time, we can do it. We met Sunday Night Live. Whole, there was a, loads of us, all in different locations. But God came. We've had testimonies coming in of God meeting with people while they're sitting on their sofa several miles away from where we are. People spread all over the town. God is active in his church. So be in faith, uh, Real Life Church. God is here. God loves you. God is with you. He, you are never alone. Um, let me just pray to finish and then we'll end. Holy Spirit, I pray you come now as we listen to this. You would fill us as your people. You would empower us for service. You would remind us of the love of God poured in our heart. You remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus, our Saviour. You remind us that we have got a Father in heaven who loves us and will listen to our request, God. And I pray you use us mightily. Empower us to serve you, to see your kingdom come in all that we say and do. Yeah, amen.
Amen. All right, there's some videos going to appear, uh, more stuff going on, Real Life Church. Uh, love you guys, miss you, and hopefully we'll see you soon.